thewellnesscouch.com. Streaming wellness into your lives. Download the app today. This is Up for a Chat with your hosts, Cindy O'Meara and Kim Morrison. Here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Cindy O'Meara. And I'm Kim Morrison. This week, we have an incredible guest, Dr. Peter Stapleton. What I love most about looking at her biography or her bio bio of herself and also on her website is the thing that stuck out to me the most, gorgeous Peter, was that you're a clinical and health psychologist, a world-leading researcher, author, and educator. And then at the very bottom, you say, I'm also a mum to two daughters who love having a psychologist mother and a toy cavoodle, (laughs) and they call the Gold Coast home. I just love this. Thank you so much for joining us. But my first question to you is, what is it like having two children who constantly challenge you and you're supposed to know the answers to everything? (laughs) Thank you, ladies. It's such a pleasure. And um, yeah, short answer to that is, yeah, I must have done something to deserve that, didn't I? (laughs) Two daughters. (laughs) And they're totally different. They're four years apart, totally different to each other in terms of learning style, relating to the world. Um, Yeah. So look, they're both gorgeous. Um, I enjoy, and I, I think as a parent to say, I enjoy their company as humans. Like I said that to my youngest, who's 16, just the other day, Um, she's about to go on her first family holiday with us without her big sister. And yeah, it's just like, we can chat, we can talk. Like, it's just, it's lovely to be able to say, I really like both of them. I think that's the most beautiful part about being a parent. So many people say that they dread the teenage years or they'll dread being this, that, and the other. Every level has its devil. Let's just be aware of that. Every stage has its phase and there's the most beautiful aspects of it. And then there's the exhausting or challenging parts of it. But as a clinical and health psychologist, perhaps you could take us back. Maybe you could explain to us, those of us that maybe don't know exactly what the psychology and the whole world of understanding our mind, our mindset, our thoughts, perhaps you could just take us on a little journey as to what led you into this and why you find it so fascinating. Oh, absolutely. haven't talked about this story for a while. So I wanted to be a lawyer. And that was my absolute, you know, the only path in my life. I watched way too many LA law shows as a teenager. Does anyone remember back in the day? And I went into law first year in um, Brisbane and was studying law, found it incredibly boring and used to come home to my mother and say, oh, I don't know about this because, of course, you have to learn all the the dry, you know, laws and everything in history. And I'm like, I just don't know. It didn't fit well, even though ultimately I probably would have been a defence lawyer defending, you know, people. And my mother said in that first year, we're flicking through the university elective book because I had to pick a different subject. And she said, why don't you have a look at something like social work? So she had kind of in her mind, because we didn't really know what psychology was back then, and I looked at that and kind of went, oh, I don't know, went off to an uh, open day, had a chat to a few people, and someone there said, we've got this subject called Psychology 101, and I'm like, what is that? And they said, look, it's just about understanding human behaviour. 
And of course, you know, I'm, I don't know, 21 at the point going, well, that'd be nice to understand a bit about myself, my family, no inkling whatsoever that I would become a psychologist. But I do this subject and I was blabbergasted. So nowhere in my high school education and certainly university to date had talked anything about that you could actually change human behaviour, you could be in charge of your own feelings and emotions. So I kind of was hooked, if you like, and I changed my whole degree. So the next couple of years, I literally didn't have any room for any other subject except psychology. And somewhere in my honours year, I was driving in my car and I can distinctly remember having a cassette and the cassette was Louise Hay of obviously Hay House. And Louise Hay on this cassette said, you can change your thoughts. And if you change your thoughts, you can change your reality. And I remember where I was driving on the road thinking, I've just done three years of psychology and no one's ever said it to me that clearly. And it changed my life. So Louise Hay definitely had a, and it's sort of ironic that, you know, 25 years later, I end up publishing my, my first book with Hay House. And it was that, that was a turning point for me to kind of really embrace and become a psychologist that could obviously help clients. But it really was that moment of going, what do you mean I can change my thoughts and my feelings and my reality? How do I do that? So that, it almost gives you a little bit of insight into why I stepped outside the square of mainstream psychology to find techniques that would help people with those kind of things, because it was her in that moment and me thinking, I haven't actually learned this in my degree yet. And it changed my life. Um, like, I'm just blown away by how you went from law to psychology and how one person said something and it changes your life. Mm. I know you were leading up to Louise Hay. I don't, you know, what I mean is you were, it's almost like your uh, whole life was leading up to that one comment Louise Hay says. Mm. And, and what a lot of people don't realise this is that if you do change your thoughts, then you can change your reality. And one of the things that um, I love doing is manifesting, you know, manifesting that I am capable and asking the universe to show me that I'm capable of manifesting something. And I noticed that you worked with Joe Dispenza. Mm, yes. So... How did you work with Joe Dispenza? Because he's one of the greats out there, um, as are you. Uh, and I'm, we're so fortunate to have you in Australia because most people like you are somewhere overseas and we have to go somewhere overseas in order to listen to you. But we're so um, lucky to have you here in Australia and close to where Kimmy and I live. Um, in, and So tell me what you did with Joe. How does that sync with what Joe is doing? Because he does a lot of... Um, you know, meditations and things like that. How does what you're doing link with him? Yeah, absolutely. And another story. So back in uh, 2017, a girlfriend and I had formed a company to uh, run some events, bring speakers to Australia, again, allow our kind of Aussies to access, you know, the greats in this kind of, yeah, world, if you like. I mean, you might kind of call it, you know, the... Uh, fringe world of psychology, but definitely meditation, EFT tapping and things like that. So we had invited Joe Dispenza and we hadn't heard from his secretary and we were going out on a limb, obviously, to 
ask such a profound kind of, you know, person in that meditation space to come to Australia for our tiny little 300-person conference. And we hadn't heard, so we sort of let it go and both Kate and I did a little bit of um, tapping and meditation ourselves. And you won't believe it, two days before Christmas uh, of the year prior, we got an email from his secretary and she said, sorry for the delay, we've just been trying to work a few things out, but you won't believe it, Joe's in Perth the week before your event on the Gold Coast and he said, yes, he will come and speak and run a workshop. And we both sort of looked at each other and fell over and went, oh, wow, okay, Joe Dispenser, excellent. <laughs> so it was almost like there was something starting to shift there because there's moving components to this story. So didn't know Joe at this point. We pick him up from the airport, fabulous, warm human being, scientist, obviously incredibly bright. We have him for the weekend and he does his workshop. Everyone attends it. He does his keynote. And then him and I are having coffee on the Sunday because neither of us were required at that point. Everyone's in their workshops. Anyway, I'm just getting to know Joe. And I said, why did you come to this conference given you don't do this anymore? You just do your retreats of, you know, many thousands. And he said, I don't know. There was something that drew me to want to come to this event. And he said, you need to write a book. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he said, on the science of EFT. Of course, that then led to the Hay House book of, you know, the science behind tapping, which that was directly because of Joe. But parallel to that, I said, who analyzes your research, your data? They collect lots of EEG information from their thousands in their workshops. And they had 5,000 EEG uh, readings of novice meditators. And he said, we don't have anyone. And I said, would you like me to do it for you? <laughs> he looked at me and said, are you kidding? And I'm like, we have all that equipment at uni. I have all those people at my disposal. How about we collaborate and you know and so the short answer is we did all that that's published we actually showed he showed that novice meditators could get into the same brainwave states as 10,000 hour plus experienced meditators in a very short space of time and 300 standard deviations above the norm kind of thing we even looked at the type of meditation that allowed people to get there quicker and so we've done that. I've since just last year, 2022, Joe and I ran a primary school meditation trial in Brisbane, where for 10 weeks, every day, every child in the primary school, 920 of them did a Dr. Joe meditation and we followed them up and that's about to be published and we're doing another one this year. So, so yeah, Joe and I've become really good friends. Uh, we now collaborate on lots of that meditation research and he is the direct reason I wrote the book for Hay House. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I've been to his one-week conference and he talks about, you know, that that's what he's doing. I didn't realise it was you, Peter. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> and he came back again and spoke to uh, our conference two years later as well. So, oh, I have yeah, so there you go. Yeah. I have absolute goosebumps over that. That is an incredible story. So what year was that? So that was 2017 was when he first came to the Gold Coast for our conference. 2019, he came back and we've done the research in between that. And last year, 2022, was our first primary school trial. And this year, we've just received ethical approval. We have two schools, of course, all the Brisbane 
primary school principals talk to each other. So one school is going to do EFT tapping for 10 weeks. The other school will do the meditation and we will have a look at the comparison between the two modalities. Yeah. I have absolute goosebumps. I I remember uh, Joe Dispenza when he used to come to Brisbane with um, Bruce Lipton and there'd be maybe 60 people in the room and I'd go down and listen to him because Joe, um, I mean, Bruce Lipton was working with chiropractors and Joe was a chiropractor and it was when they were kind of just starting out. Mm. So I was thinking it was back then, but it was when he was at his absolute peak. (laughs) That's why we said, why did you come to our conference? He goes, I don't know, something just, it was almost like there was a universal connection that was putting things into place there for both of us, yeah. So what's the meditation Mm -hmm. that we do uh, in, you said, when you were doing all of these uh, experiments with Joe, that there was a meditation that you do that could get you to that point quicker. Is it a long one, a slow one? um... Uh, Yes. (laughs) So if anyone, you can actually go jump on Joe's website and obviously purchase these meditations. So most of Joe's meditations of the 40-minute mark were the ones that we were analysing. He does do a very lengthy four-hour. We didn't analyse that one, but so the 40-minute one, and it was called dimensionalizing an object. And what he had people do was think about something you would like to draw into your life, manifest, if you want to use that word. And so the meditation is about something that's incredibly important or personal to you. And he has you in that meditation. It's quite a lovely meditation. Um, Obviously, think about it being you know, in front of you and near you and obviously becoming quite emotionally connected and raising that emotion level of having this thing come into your life. So that meditation was the one that was the most powerful and the very closely followed as a second meditation was the mind movie meditation that Joe often does. So that was where people make a mind movie again of things they would like to have you know, manifest or come into their lives. And they use a kaleidoscope to get in a trance, which again, you can actually purchase the kaleidoscope imagery on his website. So you look at that, get into a trance state, then watch the mind movie. And again, circling between those two things for about 40 minutes. And time flies, obviously, when you're really gearing up those emotions of what if this thing's in comes into my life, you know, object or person or whatever it might be. So, yeah, so they were the two out of nine different styles of meditations because they do lots of different ones in those week-long retreats. They were the two that got people there the fastest. So now let's talk about the EFT because you're going to compare these meditations, obviously, or or a meditation to EFT, which means you you obviously both you and Joe believe or you're the EFT expert, I think, worldwide expert, Um, you must feel that they are on par so Mm. can you explain EFT and then explain how you're going to perhaps do this incredible I can hardly wait to see the research (laughs) yeah and what you think is going to be the answer because I reckon you know (laughs) (laughs) yes I 
well, we can hypothesize, can't we, before it happens <laughs> and then hope like hell. Um, yes, yeah, so anyone listening is like, what is EFT? Um, EFT stands for emotional freedom techniques. We often call it tapping. So all it is is a stress reduction technique where we tap with two fingers on identified acupuncture points, some on the face, some on the top of the body, and sometimes we talk about it as psychological acupuncture. It has been around now for about 50 years in the current form that we test in clinical research. And it's just about reducing stress in the mind and body. Definitely, we have cortisol studies, we have DNA studies, we have EEG brainwave studies. Lots of biochemistry changes occur when we tap because that acupuncture system, um, and just a FYI where that's at, uh, it's a physical vascular system in the body called the primovascular system, smaller than a capillary. Now we have surgery slides that show the acupuncture points as a vascular density along this primovascular system are like denser. So we ab absolutely know that what the Chinese philosophies and Eastern approaches 5,000 years ago knew, now science has actually matched that and said, yeah, you guys were right that acupuncture point is a vascular density. So when we tap on them, it sends an electrical signal back through the um, brain circuitry, gets to the amygdala, the stress center, makes stress go down. And then we, of course, get lots of other outcomes like, you know, thinking more clearly, feeling calmer, those kind of things. So we can apply it to a lot of different things. So in the school trial, just to circle back, um, and we've since sort of done quite a few functional MRI studies of EFT and meditation, they ultimately, and Joe and I have talked about this, Joe wrote the foreword for my tapping science book, they get you to the same endpoint. It's just about which path would you like to take today, which is why I say it's great to have a few different change techniques that you might you know, have at your disposal. You might want to tap one day, you might want to meditate another day, but they ultimately get you to the same point. So what I would expect to see in the uh, primary school trial and the little children won't be doing 40 minutes, that's a bit long for them. <laughs> so the younger ones will do three to five minutes every single day and the older students do five to eight minutes just at the start of every day. So Again, themed and with lots of visualisation so it gives them something to think about as they're calming themselves. And the groups that will do the tapping will be similar where they'll just tap on, um, you know, maybe how they slept last night, um, anything they're worried about today. So, again, age-specific, but they'll only be these short little, they'll watch a video of me tapping and they'll tap along to have a great day with their friends and their teacher. So we're expecting to see that they'll be highly comparable. Uh, at the end. I think it's so powerful because to tell someone to meditate or to actually put ourselves into a meditative state, the monkey brain tends to come in, people feel mm. like they fail, they're not quite sure what to do, there's so many different techniques. Whereas with tapping, there's actually something to do. And this is why I find it so powerful because you're literally doing something and almost putting yourself into a trance-like state with the rhythmical tapping measures that you take. Yeah. What I'm curious about, it works rapidly. So how can it be effective and does it have lasting effects? Yeah, so we've got research now, um, even up to two-year follow-up. So I've done a two-year follow-up on a food craving, emotional eating trial. And just to find, because we know that it works in the moment, 
um, six, 12 months down the track, people still can't remember what they tapped on because that's not part of their life anymore. Food's a really good uh, objective measure. So do you eat that food anymore? <laughs> they look at you and go, I don't remember ever eating that food, that kind of thing. Um, we just finished a chronic pain trial, uh, same kind of thing, six, 12 months later. They're like, I don't re- I re- I forgot I was in your clinical trial for chronic pain because I don't have any pain anymore, that type of thing. So two years down the track, the food cravings hadn't come back. Uh, there was no willpower needed. So we have longevity that seems to last and there's lots of theories. Memory reconsolidation is one. People can jump on and have a Google of that, which explains why. And in essence, the brain can't hold sort of a distressing or a negative thought or feeling state and at the same time do a calming response. So if you think about when we're doing tapping, that's the calming response, but we might be focused on that craving in front of us, that chronic pain, you know, that stressful situation at work. It's hard to keep that stressful situation going while you're giving the body a sensation of calm and it collapses in the brain. So that's memory reconsolidation. And the brain then is able to update itself. Joe Dispenser actually has a fabulous video on YouTube where he talks about that all the neurological connections have to rewire in the same place. They don't take up residence somewhere else in the brain and leave that old one. So the old response, which might have been stress or anger or food craving, gets rewired with the new response in the same place. So that's why the old one doesn't come back. So, yeah, it's quite an interesting phenomenon to kind of go, but we're seeing that now, you know, 25 years down the track of research, that people forget what it was that they did the tapping on. I think this is so powerful because I've always looked at tapping as kind of like the eraser. It helps to release those kind of obstacles or thoughts that you're having. And I'm a trained hypnotherapist and I look at it that then hypnotherapy becomes the installer of the new or the the suggestions and the support to help the unconscious mind. And I guess that's what you're saying, or am I asking the, the right question that we are basically that hard wiring is there, but we're rewiring and making it so much stronger that it almost erases those that old wiring. Because my question to you, Peter, is, if I keep saying I'm useless, I'm useless, I'm useless, then the universe provides evidence to prove us right. And it seems to be that we have this evidence-based thoughts and feelings that, see, I told you I was useless, I just dropped my car keys or I just did this. But then when we start embedding and, and really start to look at what we are good at, it's not like that I'm useless thought ever goes away because there are times when we're useless, but it's almost like this more powerful, more way more useful um, belief or thought or patterning comes into play. I'm fascinated that it's in the same place. I always thought it was a new neurological loop that overrode it in a different place. That's just blown me away. <laughs> yes, and there's science um, that actually we have some uh, journal articles written and I've try to get this to every therapist we train that shows you have the minute you start a change technique that will affect sort of at that you know brain level deeper unconscious that could be tapping it could be emdr it could be an nlp technique it could be anything but something that's quite deep at change work the brain opens up at that neurological connection for four to five hours and we have a like it's imagine those neurons separating for four to five hours and they reconnect back down sort of five hours later. And if you've done that change work in that time, you'll get the new neurological 
wiring, if you like, but in that same area. So we're so protective when we do deep change work or even trauma work with tapping with clients that when they finish that session for the next couple of hours, the best thing they could do is go and sleep so that the brain doesn't have anything that interferes with that four to five hour window of change so that it can really hardwire back down with the new response and the new behavior. Because if you were to go off and say you're done tapping, I'm just going to make this up, done tapping on your mother-in-law and her reactions to you and response, and then you immediately went out to see your mother-in-law in that four to five hours, that it could be undone because the old pattern might come back in there because the brain is open at that level for four to five hours. I think Cindy's muted herself again. No, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually blown away by this. Like yeah, thinking, me too. So do I tap before I go to sleep? Like I've got, you should see what I've written down, Peter. I'm like, <laughs> so do I tap before I go to sleep? Because that would be the best. Yes, that would be great. Yes, the end is yes. <laughs> okay. So my, this is what this is what mind blows me is drugs are used for obesity, which you would call food cravings and addictions to food. <clears throat> They're used for anxiety, they're used for calming, they're used for pain, they're used for depression. But what I'm hearing you say is that why are we taking medications when it feels like that we can, we can do this with EFT? Or And I do know that there's a pain study with, uh, with the, the ketogenic diet. I went to a, a conference and listened to this Australian researcher who has shown that she can reduce pain with the ketogenic diet. So we know that EFT, diet, meditation, breath work, hypno, NLP, kinesiology, all do these changes. Why do we think that the magic pill is the best thing as everybody wants to go for that? How do we change people's ideas on this? Because this is like, yeah, like mind-blowing. That's what it is. Mm. Yes, and and obviously, you know, caveat medications may be required, you know, for some people say we've run a couple of depression trials and, and people genuinely needed some medications just to be able to participate in the therapy, the EFT, so that obviously they could eventually taper off that with their, um, you know, healthcare professionals. So they do, they have a place, but I think you you just said it that it's probably easier for a lot of people and we have been, you only have to look at, um, you know, ads on TV or every time you visit America and watch mainstream TV and see the ads for, you know, pills that may be a solution to a problem, it's an easy solution. And I think that messaging is, oh, well, I won't have to do anything myself. And I think when willpower seems to come into it for people and it seems like it might be hard work to do this without taking a pill, then that kind of is, you know, something that turns people away from perhaps therapy. And even in our chronic pain research, we did a big survey before the EFT trial just to ask people worldwide that had chronic pain, you know, have you ever tried psychological intervention? And 82% of the sample said, yes, we've tried it. Less than 4% thought it worked or did anything for them. Obviously, this was just talk therapy. But they really describe the stigma from healthcare professionals as to the nature of their chronic pain. And I think that comes up in weight and obesity as well, that the very people trying to help them have this stigma or this discrimination as to you should be able to change this yourself. It's all in your head or something like that. So I think 
there's kind of a couple of moving parts here that appeal seems easier than do I have to do much hard work. We just need to get that story out that actually EFT is pretty easy. You can just walk around and tap and, you know, you don't actually have to kind of dredge up lots of stuff and things like that, that it is could be as quick because, you know, four to six sessions really is all the research shows is needed even for post-traumatic stress disorder. It's a fascinating thing, isn't it? I'm curious to know, we can use tapping, as Cindy just alluded to, before sleep, and we can embed some beautiful thoughts, feelings, emotions in a calm state. But EFT also has an incredibly profound effect when we're in a major stress response state. Could Mm. you explain to us or give us a quick idea or maybe even an example or a story of someone or something you've seen where they've been in a highly stressed state and have used tapping to turn that around? Yeah, so lots of the research, we've done it, but also in America, that have looked at biochemistry changes. So you can easily measure, you know, cortisol, the stress hormone through bloods or saliva, you know, EEG, heart rate, um, you know, blood pressure. And they're fairly easy measures that we do take in our research. And it turns out that EFT as, you know, tapping on an acupuncture point absolutely has a deactivating kind of signal back to the stress center in the brain, the amygdala, which is why people will say, oh, I don't know why I was worried about that thing that I started tapping on 30 minutes ago, or actually, I think I can think more clearly, or I um, can have, you know, a solution pop to mind. Because once that fight or flight response calms down, just through maybe 10 minutes of tapping, the brain is able to then, you know, present more ideas or solutions or whatever it might be. Just as an example, we ran a cortisol trial some years ago where just one hour of tapping and we had two comparison groups. So one one group read magazines for an hour and just had an hour off, if you like, relaxation. Another group learnt about stress and what they might be able to do with their thoughts. So mimicking cognitive behavioural therapy, but psychoeducation. But we had a group that did tapping just for one hour on something that stressed them. And we took their cortisol readings before and after that hour for all the groups. And our tapping group had a reduction of cortisol on average. So this was the mean uh, of 43.5% in one hour reduction. So they almost halved their cortisol levels. Some of them in the group had 58, 65% reductions. We were able to tell them individually. But our group that just learned a bit about stress, what stress is, how to change their thinking, only had a 19% reduction. And our group that sat and read magazines and had an hour out, you know, actually had an increase of cortisol of 2%. So obviously not having their mobile phones turned on for an hour and sitting there didn't really help them. Having an hour out of your life may not actually help your stress levels. So it tells... Or maybe, maybe Peter, they were just getting upset about watching what Kim Kardashian <laughs> was doing next. In the magazine. <laughs> yes. So you, it's not just, oh, you'll feel a bit better and you might think more clearly. You're having a profound effect on the body's biochemistry when you do something like, you know, tapping. I'm stunned. I, I, I'm, like, I'm just <laughs> blown away. Like, I've heard you speak before, Peter. Mm. I've seen you live. I've... But I, for some reason, I don't know if I knew the power of it. I didn't understand. And I'm hoping that people that are listening, you know, understand the power of it. And one of the girls that works for me actually has just done a course with you. I think it was online. And I believe it was on tapping. So do you teach 
this for practitioners, for the layperson? Do you have different streams of courses that can help people understand how to do this? Um, you know, and perhaps after you've explained where people can go to 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 learn about this, maybe we could do a little tapping session, and you could tell them all the points and. And then you can calm Kim and I down. <laughs> Absolutely. Because <laughs> you're so excited. We'll calm down your excitement. I am. <laughs> yes, the answer is um, yes. You know, obviously, just with the research that was coming out over the years, we often had professionals coming to us. And, and uh, it's funny because I teach at master's level in psychology and it's almost happening faster and faster that our students and graduates and colleagues can't wait as long as they used to to go and learn other techniques now. It's like we used to see a 10-year lag where they'd be out there doing traditional talk therapies and then kind of go, mm, what do you do with that tapping thing? And they'd want to come and learn a bit more. Now I don't think they even last 12 months. So they graduate, they get out there and they're like, okay, yep, I need to learn something else. Just because talk therapy can get them so far, but then they sort of fall short with processing things that come up. It's like, how do I change the meaning of this memory for someone or, you know, how do I help them process and let it go, that type of thing. And just side note, um, Bond University is the first in Australia. We now teach tapping to our master's student in a brand new trauma subject. So they have just finished their first intensive and they're flying high. So every other student in the past is very jealous because we now, we're the second in the world. There is a university in Paris but we're now first in Australia. So anyone want to come to Bond, we'll teach you to have it. You actually learn it properly as a therapist. But anyway, circling back, um, yes, so we do now train uh, therapists, uh, including dietitians and nutritionists, uh, psychiatrists, but we will also train lay people who perhaps want to make some sort of career out of this. Obviously, that includes a fairly extensive mentoring supervision process as well um, so that we're fully confident people do know how to hold the space for a client from a therapy point of view um, and we can put all these details underneath but evidence-based eft.com is the training website and they're all around Australia lots of them still happening online at the moment what was it evidence-based eft.com that's it yes can you tell us then, when we talk about people, just before you go into perhaps doing something with us, we say we release emotions, that we can release negative thoughts or trauma associated to a person or an experience. What exactly does that word release mean? Yeah, so it's probably maybe likened to letting something go. So we might hear people say that as a statement, well, can't you just let it go? But what's missing for a lot of people is how, because emotion absolutely is carried within us. It, we do have evidence that affects cellular activity in the body. We you know, talked off air about Bruce Lipton's work, but even um, Dr. Candice Pert's work about neuroemotion and biology. So we know that every emotion has a neurotransmitter, a neurohormone that gets released. So obviously, if you're in a fairly good emotional state, like joy or gratitude, you'll have lovely kind of, you know, dopamine, neuro um, hormones running around the body. But same goes when you're in a very angry state for a long period of time or resentment or whatever it might be, then you're going to have a neuro hormone that affects the body's physiology. And so that's very hard for people just to go, okay, well, I just won't feel that anymore. 
Um, so if we're like, can you let that go? They're like, no, <laughs> no, I can't. And it's hard to let go of consciously at a purely cognitive level. So that's why we're talking about it might be a past memory that someone can't let go of what happened or what happened to them. Uh, and tapping is a way for them to work through what happened, acknowledge and validate how they felt, but then transform that emotion, perhaps even into a neutral space, or indeed, sometimes it can transform into um, indeed a positive state as well. And that's what people are, Gary Craig, who is the forefounder of EFT, he named it emotional freedom techniques for a reason, uh, because it's the freedom from that negative state that sometimes in our chronic pain trial, people have been carrying chronic pain on average for about 14 years. So that's how long they've been suffering. And sometimes it's decades and decades. So if we're doing EFT and we're releasing energy and not having to go through past experiences, let's just say, and I've heard in Australia, and I don't know enough about it, and I might be saying the wrong terminology, but they've just allowed the use of, is it MDA? M M psychedelics? Yeah, the psychedelics. Mm. So <clears throat> I've had a friend do this that then's brought up a past memory that's made her worse. Like mm. it's horrible actually what this past memory, and I, and is that past memory real or not real um, because it, it's back when she was one. Can you ex explain, um, I, I guess what I'm asking is do, we don't have to bring up our past and then become more traumatised by that past, whether it's real or not or imagined, and I, I might be wrong. I don't know enough about it to understand it, so I'm hoping you can explain why are they going down that path to bring up those past memories when you've got this beautiful path that you're just releasing those emotions and you don't have to bring up those past memories? What's why being a clinical psychologist, I, I'm hoping you can help me with that one. Yes. Yes. Again, um, so psychedelic assisted therapy um, and different types of medications, obviously now being approved for psychiatrists in Australia. So psychologists are not, they might be part of the treatment team, but it's not the psychologist administering them. And again, you know, it was used 40 odd years ago and then was regulated because obviously it got a bit out of control. <laughs> but it's a, a way for people to, and you're right, quickly access unconscious information. And people may or may not know what's there, e.g. past traumas, but it absolutely kind of gives you the window into the unconscious very quickly. The problem with that is because, again, people are seeing this, oh, shortcut, um, I can get to what's really creating all my patterns in life and fix it. But to me, the problem there is what then happens with the therapy in the room? So if we're talking about, and these tend to be lengthier sessions, so it might be a six to eight hour session. So you take the, um, you know, psychedelic, you're then supported. But what's happening, you know, what I would want to know, what mode of therapy are you going to do with me if something comes up? Because if we're just going to talk about it, I'm not convinced that will help me process it, which when you say your friend perhaps might have come out of that feeling worse because now she has knowledge we're not questioning whether the knowledge is real but she has some sort of knowledge that she's accessed 
but she hasn't processed that. So I do have colleagues in the States that have been allowed to use these medications for some time, but the therapies that they're using in those kind of sessions are hypnosis, are EMDR, the eye movement, um, desensitization, some tapping. So they're using therapies when something comes up, which to me is a much better use of that. I wouldn't put my hand up unless I knew what therapy was going to be done in that session. I hope maybe anyone listening in kind of gives them some framework if people are thinking, oh, wow, yep, I'll go off and um, find out what my deepest, darkest fears are. Um, it's just what's going to happen after that. So, yeah, often the protocol too, you actually do need to have quite a few um, sessions of that. It's just about the therapy type that's done. Yeah. Well, why Why do we want to know about traumas? I, <laughs> why do we want to humanity, know? <laughs> like I just think I'll just live the next day. I, I'm a person, I think I'm a person, that just flicks it off and keeps going. And and I, I don't know that I've had any huge traumas in my life. Yes, we, you know, the usual where you've lost, um, you, you have grief and you've lost loved ones. But I, I like go, I don't know if I want to know what was happening when I was one. <laughs> yes. And some people, your personality style, some people don't, don't probably, they function really well in the here and now. So yeah. I think that's that's what it is. If you function really well and you're like, yeah, okay, maybe if stuff happened, but for whatever reason, I seem to have processed it in the moment. And, you know, what you said about tapping, even if something did come up with someone in a tapping session, tapping's got some very lovely gentle techniques where people don't have to relive anything to process it and be able to move on from it. And I think that's the important part, that even if they did remember something, they don't have to relive it. And that's what frightens a lot of people. It's like, I already lived through it once, I <laughs> relive it again. And talk therapy often makes you relive it, which hardwires it again. So, yeah, mm. we've just got to remember, if you're going to talk about anything, a bit distressing, make sure you, at the same time you do something that is uh, releasing that. So I'll give you a perfect example. My husband's an engineer, so nothing to do with my world, but he'll come home and want to whinge about whatever happened that day at work with people he's dealing with. And I'm like, you can tell me and debrief your day, but at the same time you have to tap on the uh, pressure point just on the collarbone, even if you just pick one point. So while you talk to me and complain, you must tap. And it's a great tip for anyone that just needs to offload. Just tap on one pressure point and it actually short circuits and he kind of runs out of steam and I know in the moment he's not hard wiring so my girls get that as well they're like yep you can tell me anything but you got to tap on a pressure point while you tell me that's so good, so good. <laughs> tap and wind, tap and wind. <laughs> my husband was doing that yesterday he's really busy and I have to admit he is and so he was telling me from Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday we got to Monday and I went is there a point do you need me to help you <laughs> but I should have said just tap Howie just tap <laughs> He might have tapped you on the head. Um, <laughs> um, Peter, I'm yet to meet anybody. I wrote a book called The Art of Self-Love. I, I interviewed a lot of people. I questioned a lot of different psychologists, psychiatrists, counsellors and different people about, here's my question to you. I'm going to ask you. I'm yet to meet anyone that doesn't have some sort of trauma, change, upset, stress, loss, anger, like like. It, my experience is showing me that this is part of the human experience. It's not a perfect inverted commas world. 
And yet when I interviewed His Holiness, the 12th Kenting Taisatupa in India, he turned around to me when I asked the same question. He said, and he, oh, 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 very human question, he said. Um, but he said, my dear, you cannot have good without bad. You cannot have high without low. Life is not about just one emotion. It's the exploration and the interpretation and embodiment of all emotions. So are you saying then, and with respect to what Cindy's saying, I don't have any problems. Well, Cindy may not have had any really traumatic experience. And so I want to really honor and respect the people who have had horrific upbringings or experiences or moments where their lives have really been shattered by at the whim of someone else's hideousness. So without discounting any of our traumas, whatever level or scale it's on, is that your understanding too, that the human experience is the conglomerate of all emotions and therefore the better we become equipped at knowing ourselves, understanding the biology of our emotions, what we can do when we're in those traumatic states? What is the point of all of this if we are stuffed up humans anyway? <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> and totally agree with His Holiness that um, we can't have, you know, light without dark to appreciate the difference and things like that. And, you know, people will often talk about post-traumatic growth and resilience, that they develop that because of things they, they'd been through. All I say about some of these change techniques, you know, tapping included, is there's just ways that if, a distressing feeling, emotional state, it doesn't change that you won't have those. Like, do I still get cranky with my, you know, daughters? Yes, I yelled at my one at university last week um, about her stress. So, yes, you still have human reactions, but there are tools like tapping that give you the ability to shorten that response if you choose. So if you decide, I don't want to stay in this state for a long period of time or, okay, I'm done. It, there's an ability through these tools to shorten those so that perhaps, you know, the the depths of something like depression are no longer part of your response in life, that you may just more be seen as someone that, you know, like we were talking about, you know, having that joyful look on life and it's not kind of Pollyanna syndrome and artificial, it's you genuinely are in those sort of states more frequently than you are perhaps feeling stressed or tired or, you know, those kind of things. So it's like you've got a tool that can shorten that if you would, if you would like that to be a shorter experience, negative experience. Such a beautiful answer. All right, let's talk couples. You obviously have to do okay. therapy on your husband at times. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying, have you got any tools and techniques for all us girls that maybe are listening to this that, you know, we can sure. manipulate? I mean, support, not manipulate, support <laughs> our partners and children and teenagers. Give us give us some tips. Yeah, totally. And um, you may or may not like the answer. So here's the thing. You can change anyone. You can change anyone's behavior in your life towards you. So that could be your child. That could be your partner. That could be uh, your boss at work because if you don't like what they do but here's here's the cincher this is what you have to do you have to recognize your reaction to them and do tapping on that yourself and then what happens is they stop doing that behavior towards you so you can so I, good this is what I've done to my husband so does he tap much really? not really but has he changed absolutely in the last few decades he is a different person because I've tapped on me 
not yeah, because Peter, Cindy and I have talked about this a lot that, and you only have to look at the last three or four years, don't we, Cindy, where we've seen different people's reactions to whatever the government's done or maybe doctors or whatever. But some people get highly aggravated in response to that. And other people are like, I don't like it, but this is how I'm going to choose to be. I'm going to be the best version of myself. I'll be the healthiest I can be. Mm. So ultimately you're saying, it is all self-responsibility, mm. self-awareness, understanding that we're getting triggered by something or something. It's never what the other person said or done, is it? It's our response yeah. to it that we work on, yes? And if you can change that and just see it as a mirror and go, oh, okay, thank you, universe, for this uh, moment of self-reflection. If you take responsibility and know, and this is what Louise Hay parted in that cassette recording to me, you have the ability to change anything in your life. You you do. And tapping to me is such a fabulous way. I can tap in the car driving. You know, I can tap in the bathroom if I need to. That you can change anything in your life and therefore other people around you will also change in response to that, including your, you know, children that have tantrums or your teenager that's moody and won't talk to you. All of that can change. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. And I, you know what it is? It's about taking responsibility yeah. and it's about knowing that you are the only one that you can actually change. You can't change. No. I know I know. you said you can change your husband's behaviour. I think that's what you said or you can change. Yeah, yeah. but it's through me. It's through yeah, me. through me. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. I love I'm it. just going to watch Cindy now next time she's having an <laughs> argument with someone. She's going to be tapping the hell out of herself as she's trying to come to terms with what they're saying. Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, beautiful, yeah. beautiful, Peter. From a perspective for Cindy and I, people that we're in touch with people all the time, we're speaking with people all the time. Is there a beautiful um, um, way that you can support people that are leaders, whether they're teachers like us, whether they're mothers, whether they're fathers, whether they're CEOs? Are you suggesting one of the best things we could all learn is this technique of EFT? And you have mentioned we can learn it from a layperson point of view. Is is there a place we can learn that? Is that the same place that you mentioned before? Yeah, so we absolutely, and we do a lot of work in schools and with teachers worldwide um, with, with a particular program. And if everyone just embraced it as a like personal use tool. So it's not that you want to go out and do therapy with anyone or, you know, extend it to anyone. But even on our website, evidencebasedeft.com, we have EFT for personal use and we have, um, you know, some webinars there where you can just learn it for three major areas in life. Obviously, stress is the first one. Uh, we cover sleep and energy. So tapping instead of the three o'clock afternoon coffee, tapping can actually increase your energy, but tapping for sleep, we know sleep is such a pillar for all our health. So sleep and I have a, um, a sleep program. And how about I have a sleep program, I might gift all of your uh, listeners. So I'm going to give you the link that'll be below. And it's a whole program on using tapping for sleep. Even if you're a beginner, you'll learn how to use it. I'm the sleep Nazi in my house. I'm like, sleep is the most important thing I would say above and beyond nutrition, but sleep, sleep. So sleep and obviously pain, we cover body sensations in that personal use. So even if you just embraced it yourself and went, you know what, I'm just going to clean up my own backyard here. I'm going to try and be just a better version tomorrow of who I am today. Uh, and let's see what happens out of that. To me, the ripple effect of who you then come in contact with, and Gary Craig had this as a vision too, um, absolutely will have a profound impact at a worldwide level. You know, we were going to ask you to do that 
tapping session. But I think what you're giving us, uh, it will be far better because then everybody can do that um, with that link. So that would be wonderful. Yeah, let's do it that way rather than doing a tapping session on this. Then they can probably see you doing it and they can see all the points. I just also want to say, thank goodness the planet has you. Oh, That's all I can say, Peter. I'm just so grateful that we got to, you know, it took us a little bit to get an interview with you because you are so busy. But I just want to, I think the planet is better off because they have you and we need to get this word spread. So for anybody who's listening, how about you get two other people to listen to this so that they can get the benefit of what, Peter is doing on the planet and you know with Joe Dispenza and I looked at everybody else you're connected with uh you know as a collective uh we can make a huge tsunami of change uh, for people in their lives so thank you for doing what you do and the work and the the documentation and the science and the all, everything that you're doing I just think is incredible and I, I want to thank you personally and I know Kim will be feeling exactly the same way. Mm, totally. Oh, thank you, Cindy. Thank you, absolutely. It's just a joy and truly uh, we enjoy what we do. So, Can I just say how much yeah. I still love the fact that you yelled at your daughter and that you <laughs> told your husband off. And, and makes just, her husband tap. <laughs> just, I just love the humanistic element of this, so thank you. <laughs> Yeah, look, it's not sunshine and roses all the time. And, yes, do I feel stressed? Uh, absolutely. Like, you know, things pile up. It's probably more overwhelmed than it is stressed. Mm-hmm. But I absolutely would, you'll see me tapping. So, yeah, that's how I go. <laughs> and do you do that face routine? Is it is it just the face? Is it just out of curiosity when you start to? <laughs> I'm imagining if I see your kids start seeing you tapping, they know that your blood pressure is rising, <laughs> that you're about to say something you might regret. Oh, shit, she's tapping. <laughs> Many years ago, many years ago, they started to say, are you tapping on me, mum? Are you tapping on me? Like they realised how it works. And even here at work, it's quite funny because I'm the tapping lady at the whole university. And um, So it is you start on the face, that beautiful sequence. Can we put a picture in the show notes as well of the tapping points? Yes, yes. Do we have one? Perfect. Oh, Cindy, I've loved this. I know, me too. (laughs) Tell us where you are on social media so we can all just stalk you. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, pretty much the major channels there. So obviously, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, we cover all of those. Instagram's quite quite a tapping place. So a lot of people in the tapping world, and we post lots of stories, real life case studies. So just to show you how it can be used, different practitioners, what they did with a client. So we share that across all those major, and it's all me, Peter Stapleton, at all those channels. Wonderful. That, that's that's the absolute best. Uh, I, I want to thank you on behalf of Kim and I, and she's going to thank you anyway, but uh, for taking this hour to be with us. I have learned so much and um, I'm sure I can say the same for Kim. So thank you, Peter. Thank you, Cindy. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to tap out now. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to get T-shirts made, tap me out. <laughs> I probably I need to double-check the meaning of that. I love it. <laughs> yes. You're truly remarkable. Thank you. Thank we you, are so grateful. Thank you, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Time for a quick break on Up For A Chat to share our favourite products. We talked about uh, pain relief, uh, depression, anxiety. We also know that not only tapping can change your state and your pain, we also know that the ketogenic diet can do it also. So if you're interested in trying the ketogenic diet, 
Changing Habits as the healthy keto way. Just go to changinghabits.com.au, try the ketogenic diet to see if it helps with your pain, anxiety, depression. Of course, as Peter said, you know, be very careful about taking yourself off medications. Make sure you do the diet first and then go to your doctor to see if you can get off those medications. And I would also suggest, and this is advertising for our beautiful Peter, I would suggest you do her course in tapping. One of the most beautiful things that we talked about in this podcast was the power of tapping and obviously using my love of the use of essential oils. Now, we know essential oils can help relieve pain, can help reduce stress, can help you sleep. But the added advantage of using tapping with this most primal sense of smell is one of the most powerful ways to access the limbic part of the brain, where you can instigate change within one to three seconds. I cannot recommend doing your tapping processing alongside smelling some of your favorite blends. And if you're not sure where to go, head on over to 28.com. That's the word 20, the number 8.com, and all those organic essential oils or blends would add to your tapping experience. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.